And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back. Another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here with Matt Watson. Hi, Matt. What's going on? I'm trying to figure out what I need to do to become an influencer. How about you? Ah, is a startup host, a uh, hustle host count as that? It depends on who you ask, maybe, but I'm not really sure. Now, you know, as, as usual, we're going to get to the bottom of all of these tough questions. But before we get started on that, I do need to let you know, Matt, that today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. You've heard of those Fullscale guys before, right? I talk to them every day. I got is it because we, we own the company together? Yeah. So, but back to being an influencer, so we can get full scale in front of all the people we want. I think we need to figure out some stuff about influencer marketing. We've talked about it in the past, but today I brought in an expert with us. We have Neil Schaefer, who's the president of PDCA Social and also the author of a really cool book titled The Age of Influence. Welcome to Startup Hustle, Neil. Hey, thanks, guys. Do you think you can help us fix our influencer problem? Oh, we can start right now. <laughs> well, we're going to talk all about that. And, you know, for those of you, for those of you listening, you know, I like it when you're interactive. So I want you to go to neilshafer.com. I'm not going to sit here and spell it. Scroll down and click the link in the show notes. It's the easiest way to do it. Neil, let's, let's, st- I want to start a little bit with your backstory um, and you know, and I, after that, I'm going to want to define what an, in, what a social media influencer actually is. Cause if that's what we're trying to become, we need to have a good target, but let's, let's start with a little bit about you, man. What's, what's your story? Uh, before social media, I was doing B2B sales in, you know, technology industries in Asia, actually. So I speak Japanese and Chinese, spent the first 15 years of my career in Japan. And I got a really, got a lot of really great holistic business experience. I was sort of the entrepreneur within the company. I was like in charge of a region or country manager. And I often had a lot of staff that reported to me and I had a budget and I could basically do everything I wanted to do with someone else's money inside a larger company. So I really enjoyed that. But uh, when I went back to the United States and uh, things changed and I sort of had to reinvent myself because I was going to now live in the US and not do stuff Asia related. Um, when the time to reinvent myself came along, so did social media. So I started blogging and this is back in like 2008. Then I wrote my first book. It was actually about LinkedIn on 2009. And then in January, 2010, I had a bunch of companies reach out to me wanting help. So that's when I launched my company, which is now called PDCA social, uh, you know, helping companies through primarily consulting, there's training. I do have an agency side to it, uh, do a lot of speaking, written a few books. And over the last few years, I've noticed just a lot of questions, not just from businesses about influencer marketing, but also from people like a lot of marketers and entrepreneurs saying, how do I become an influencer? So that's why I embarked on writing The Age of Influence. And uh, as I was writing it and doing a lot of research and doing a lot of interviews, 
I realized that, you know, digital influence is this really broad concept that isn't limited to just, you know, Kardashian types or just to networks like TikTok. It really is something that once you get it, it can be leveraged by, you know, anyone in any industry for any given social network. So I'm excited to talk about that today. Yeah, I am too. And, you know, just a little bit of uh, put a couple feathers in your cap. I mean, you've been a contributor on Mashable, Inc., The Wall Street Journal, Bloomberg, U.S. News, USA Today, Forbes. I mean, a lot of different stuff. So definitely brought in a subject matter expert. Now, I mentioned before, we had, we've had we had a past episode. It's called Influencer Marketing. And we learned a lot. Uh, that was our friend, Ryan O'Connell, who taught us about the different tiers of influencers. And I thought it was really interesting because you mentioned it's not all about like the Kardashians. With his, his whole business is structured around um, what we'll lovingly refer to as, as B or C level influencers, which are which present an opportunity uh, and affordability that a lot of businesses don't realize that they can wrap their arms around. Is that do you find that with what you do in your consulting practice that that's the that's the best place to start for for the for the size businesses and that our listeners probably own? Yeah. So, you know, as I was doing the work on the book, a lot of things were happening. Number one, I went back to my days in B2B sales and we always had an ecosystem of influence, right? So if I wanted to sell software, I was getting leads from semiconductor vendors. I was getting leads from system integrators and what have you. So the, the concept of influence and really, you know, getting business uh, from other people by creating that sort of ecosystem and yielding influence is nothing new. Uh, I do like social selling trainings for insurance agents. So teaching them how to better use LinkedIn and what have you to sell. And they also talk about centers of influence, you know, like bankers, financial planners, um, accountants, what have you. But when we bring it into digital, it gets really, really interesting because not all these people yield digital influence. And where we start with those tiers that you talked about is this is like traditional influencer. Mar I'm, I'm not part of this traditional influencer marketing. I do a lot of different things, influence marketing being one of them. Um, but th that industry looks at it in terms of tiers by number of followers, and it's very Instagram centric. Um, so you start with like celebrity, then macro, mid-tier, micro. And what's really interesting is over the last two years, you now have nano. So it used to be, well, you want to only work with someone over 100,000 followers. And then it's like, no, micro influencers are where it's at. We can go down to 10,000 followers. And now they're saying, no, we can do nano influencers. They only have 1,000 followers, but they're a lot more authentic. They have deeper engagement with their audience. They're not buying fake followers. They're not buying fake engagement. When you get down to 1,000 followers, Matt's, I mean, look around you. How many people do you know that have 1,000 followers on any given social network? On well, Twitter, can I, uh, can I provide a good example of this? Oh, go for it, dude. So at Stackify, we sell tools to software developers, and we have a free tool called Prefix. And one of our strategies is to go to other software developers in the community and get them to write reviews try the product, talk about the product, right? And they are not people that have a lot of followers, but they could be people that are like MVPs for Microsoft or they're speakers at different conferences or trade shows. I mean, they're nowhere near Kim Kardashian, right? Like they are on the other end of the spectrum, but they might have a thousand friends or a couple thousand followers or whatever that if they wrote an article or, or tweeted about, hey, I tried this new thing and it doesn't cost us hard. Like we can just give them our product. Like, hey, we'll give you our product. Will you just like tweet about it? Right. That's it. That, 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 my friend, is a type of influence marketing. Right. I, I work with a, a, a SaaS startup. They're making sort of like a Slack, but you could call it like a Slack add on sort of tool. 
Um, and they're really targeting software developers that have big remote software development teams, or I should say software managers. So, you know, we start out with nothing. You get up to like 100 followers on Twitter, and now you start engaging with other companies where you might be able to cross-pollinate. They might have 1,000 followers, 2,000 followers. That's huge when you're a startup, right? So, so we need to get out of this, like, it's only good for Instagram. It's only good if you have over 100,000 followers. It's good on any network. In fact, I'd argue that a lot of podcasters are doing a lot of this because they're always inviting people with bigger footprints than them to be on their podcast in hopes that they share it, right? A lot of B2B businesses right. do this. Invite, like, influencer speakers in hopes that they share the event with their audience, what have you. That, that is all what I would wrap up into influencer marketing. And I think affiliate marketing, it's a type of influencer marketing, right? You're tapping into people because you want to monetize their It's the same thing. So when you start looking at it really holistically, there's a lot of different ways to collaborate with a lot of different people for a lot of different objectives. And what we're finding, guys, is it's not just like, hey, amplify my content. It's also create content for me. It's also realizing like bloggers, right, or podcasters or videographers or photographers. They're great content creators. So instead of me trying to write these blog posts or outsourcing it to who knows where, why wouldn't I, I bring in like a tech blogger who's known in my industry to start writing posts for me and to put his, and, and to collaborate with that person where I'm going to get a bigger bang for my buck. So it, we're, we're now seeing, you know, it, it's definitely going smaller and COVID-19 has actually brought more companies into working with, with a lot smaller influencers. And as you guys know, it doesn't necessarily cost them money either. So if you find the right person, they'll do it for free, right? They want to try out new stuff. Or, or well, I, I think I think yeah. so much of this is about the the like you mentioned, Neil. It's about quality over quantity. Um, and so here's the thing: is wh whether Watson knows it or not, he's been an influencer, as we'll put the air quotes around it, since I've known him. Why? He sold a company for 150 million bucks when he was 29 years old. Like so, in in our niche now, not everybody's a startup founder. Okay, that's fine, but there's enough of them that. You know, as 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 Matt's wingman on some days, and also his business partner at Full Scale, that is very influential when it comes to us establishing credibility with our future clients or prospective clients. And the same thing goes for stuff like the Startup Hustle podcast. You know, like we're talking about startups all day, every day. I've written a book about it. You know, and 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 all this different stuff. So, you know, the the. I think when we talked about defining what an influencer is, I mean, I think that for, and let's go ahead and roll into that. Cause I think that starts with, you, you have just the good old term, a little bit of street cred. And, you know, so an inf I would rather work with an influencer that has, I don't care about follower counts cause I've seen it differently. And I, we have clients that are true influencers and we'll, we'll just mention it, like, JC Lopez at Urban Necessities, you know, it's, I mean, he's got multiple channels with hundreds of thousands of followers. I helped him build his YouTube channel, do a quarter million subscribers. And, you know, the thing is, is like when you have people's ear uh, that, it, you know, you have that credibility, that's where you begin to be an influencer. But, you know, I, and like you said, there's like the mega influencers, you have Kardashian, or, you know, we we're looking the other day at something like Steph Curry from the NBA has got like 35 million followers, like, those are rare. That's like your one tenth of 1% kind of people. But Mike, I'm not sure that the specificity of, of that audience is where we would want it to be if we were paying for that. So and before we give it back to the expert, Matt, what what do you what's your definition of a quote influencer and in the in the modern age of influence? Um, 
I mean, I think it's all over the board. When you when you first think about it, you think about somebody like a YouTube channel person that, you know, my kids watch. And if I could go to them and get them to talk about my video game or whatever, and millions of kids watch this YouTube channel, like Ryan's Toy Review or something, right? Like the home run would be for me to get my toy on Ryan's Toy Review. But, you know, that is... I mean, that's like almost the Kardashians of that, right? Like that would be the biggest possible influencer there would be. We Ryan from Ryan's Toy Review. Uh, who's like the richest YouTuber there is. By the way, that's a, that's a great example because like my kids recognize Ryan. Oh, yeah. They, would, they don't know who the hell the Kardashians are, but like I came, I came down – to i came down from my office and they were in the in their playroom i have a three and a half year old and a five year five and a half year old they were playing ryan's toy review yeah but that's influence i don't know what else is if that's not influence but i think usually when we talk about business we think about the industry that we're in and we think about influencers within the industry and so like when i was in automotive you know it might have been executives from certain companies in the industry or consultants that had a big name that were in the industry, certain vendors, like I would have been an influencer, right? I work for one of the largest software vendors. So, you know, I think, I think about it as like influencers within the industry that you're in. And I mean, this is a lot different, obviously, if you have a consumer facing product or a business facing product and kind of how you describe and think about influencers, but even like full scale with what we do, our influencers, you may think about, they're just people that send us referrals, right? They could just be people that know a lot of people. Um, it could be your accountant or your lawyer that just, or people in the startup scene or whatever that would just refer us business. I mean, in, influencer can mean a lot of different things is kind of my point. So Neil, what's, as, the, as the, the, the guy that's written a book on the subject, what's your definition? Are we, are we on point or are we missing out on a lot of it? Well, I'm glad that we're beyond sort of the Kardashians and, and even the Ryan's toys. I mean, I think I think that, you know, influencer marketing really comes from celebrity endorsements. Right. So you see Shaq O'Neal, you know, in a Buick and it's like, I want to buy a Buick, Well, I, you know, for, for some of those people. So w- what's happened, though, is when you get to like Kardashians or I think a really good example is Charlie from TikTok, when you're appearing on like TV commercials, you're no longer a social media influencer. You're a celebrity. Right. And when you're in traditional media. So I think it begins with, you know, the fact that these are people that are in social media where they have their influence and at the heart of it, they're content creators, because if you know, whether you're a podcaster, YouTube, Instagram, you know, LinkedIn, whatever, you're probably creating content and you're publishing it onto a social media profile where you're building a community. Not to say that you might not have offline influence, but we're really, we're really interested here in the social media users who have influence. And there's some that have more, some that have less. And yeah, there's Orion's toys, but you know, there's probably tens or hundreds of other uh, Ryan's toys wannabes out there that might become the next Ryan's toys, right? Yeah, that will do it for cheap. Exactly. And here's the thing: the bigger you are, the more you're going to charge because you're you're a savvy entrepreneur, right? But you have all these other people who are who are looking to get bigger who would love to work with you, especially if you're a big brand. So there's a whole, you know, there's a whole sort of market system of looking at this. If you want to spend top dollar, you can, but it's not to say you can't get better results by working with people that have fewer followers and really, you know, uh, really raising them or training them to become a better influencer. Um, And hopefully by collaborating with them, 
as they get bigger, they never forget you and you, you know, they become your brand advocate. So, you know, the B2B side, it's sort of similar. It's not YouTube. It might be a blog. It might be a podcast. It might be YouTube. There's like B2B YouTubers out there as well, but it, it's sort of the same concept. Um, it's going to be less transactional. It's going to be more, Hey, I'd love to, you know, I'd love to speak at your conference. I'd love to write for your blog. I'd love to get free lifetime access to your product or whatever it is. Uh, you know, what you're going to give away is a little bit different, but it's the same concept. It's people that speak. It's people that can influence the community that you want to influence. That's what it comes down to. Right. So if they are in front of your target audience, you want them to talk about you and how you're going to achieve that. And what, what's exciting is that, you know, entrepreneurs and startups, you know, there have been a lot of them on Instagram and this is their sole reason for being successful is they tapped into this really early on and they created this you know army of influencers that were talking about them. Because if you can't incite word of mouth in social media, what good is social media? You're just going to do ads all day, which you could, but they're advertisements, right? So when you get people to talk about you, that's what all this viral, so that's what it was supposed to be about, which it's now pay to play, obviously. So, so that, that's the thing, right? If nobody's talking about you in social, you need search, you need email, you need social, you need to meet people where they are. Those are traditionally speaking, the three general areas. And if you're not working with influencers, I think that the social side is really, really hard to get hurt in and to get exposure in and to build influence in. Well, that's, you know, that's something I mentioned. I've had some firsthand experience working with some of our clients doing that. And, you know, you talk about that difference between being an influencer and being a celebrity. I went through that with Jay. Like we were in Vegas. We had been working at Urban Necessities and we jumped in the car and drove to L.A. to watch the World Baseball Classic. And I was debating with him. He was like, no, dude, I'm not I'm not a celebrity. We were inside Dodger Stadium for five minutes and three different people ran that we had strangers came up and wanted selfies with him. And I was like, okay, dude, are you really not famous? Because <laughs> I mean, because here's the thing, like, okay, so if Matt and I go to an entrepreneur event in Kansas City, we'll we'll be well known. But I'm never I'm never at Dodger Stadium and people are coming up and like, hey, DeCourcy, can I get a selfie with you, bro? No, that's never happened to me. The closest thing that happened to me was when I went to see Hamilton with my wife and someone came up and recognized me from being, they're like, you're Matt DeCourcy, the podcast guy. Right. And I was like, that's the closest thing. And that was in my hometown. That's not famous. So, <laughs> but, but in that regard though, and I think the thing that's important when you talk about influencers and I mentioned Watson, so you have hierarchy, like Watson, it was, you know, and we've known each other for three or three or more years or whatever, but you know, so you have uh, startups and entrepreneurs and then you know he mentioned from the automotive industry and then you start to get very specific and i think if you can climb down that hierarchy with the social media influencers that you want to work with you could that level of specificity can be remarkably valuable especially considering like if you're looking at just traditional marketing terms like cpm and you say well would you rather have someone with 5000 legitimate followers and that's where i'm going with this is is who's listening. So how do we define that audience? Now, Neil, look, it's if I wanted to, I could start a, a what do they call it? A Finsta, a fake Insta page. And for about $1,000, I could buy a shitload of followers and have a completely ineffective voice in that audience. So, you know, in this age of influence, there's a lot of people that are, are padding their shit and there's a lot of smoke and mirrors in that. If we want to, if we want to take our business into the world of influencer marketing, how do we cut that away? How do we get the, How do we get a clear, concise view of who we're dealing with, and not, you know, because like I said, you really could put a shitload of followers on 
on something with a with a, a credit card with a, a small limit and uh, and about a day. Yeah, and and that's what I sort of struggle with because I've been in social media marketing for a decade, right? So you know, I've seen like Google Plus come and go, stumble upon come and go, and all the stuff. I was there, you know, near when MySpace was starting to go down. And so when I saw someone with a lot of followers on one of those networks, like, okay, I sort of, I can figure out where they came from. But all of a sudden on Instagram, you just get a ton of people. It's like, who are these people? They have no website and yet they have like a million followers. And some of them are legit, some are questionable. And I, I think from like a startup, it's like, well, you know, how do I map it out? How do I work with, with like these big people? And I like to, you know, I found the solution for that in my book and I call it the brand affinity model. So let's, let's just completely forget about the micro influencer macro, the celebrity, because that's built by an industry that's trying to monetize influence, right? Um, for, for startups, we want to tap into this in the most effective way possible. And what I'm seeing that that backs up what I'm about to talk about is that brands obviously prefer to work with people that know the brand, that are like actual users of their product. Right. Yep. So the problem with the, with the industry up until now is there, you know, you're trying to negotiate with people that have never heard of you, and it becomes one time transactional, for lack of a better word, one night stand. So I say, if a nano influencer, if we start with, you know, the definition of influence in social media is having like a thousand followers, right? Let's not look at people we don't know, which is the focus of all these companies. Let's look at people we do know. So instead of looking at the hierarchy of number of followers, let's look at the hierarchy of brand affinity, right? Because you want to work with people in social that already know, like, and trust your brand. And this is the problem is that people are always looking outside that. So I say, okay, who best knows and likes and trusts your brand? Employees. If you're a startup, you may not have a lot of employees, right? Might be a problem. But, you know, with a bigger company, your employees have skin in the game. They're, they're part of your brand. A lot of them would love to help you. And, and, and now with millennials being a majority of the workforce, there's more and more people, you know, that work for your company that probably are, are at that 1,000 follower limit. Or maybe they're a great content creator, right? So who else do we have? We have our partners. And this is where we talked about, you know, these ecosystem partners in, in B2B spaces, all these people that can give us referrals. If they're active on social, how how would we be able to collaborate, right? Um, we we then look at our customers, right? Why wouldn't we tap into our customers? Loyalty marketing, where you know people are always chasing new business. When if you just work on your on retention and upselling your current customer base and making them happy and including them in your social media is a great way to do that. And when you get beyond that, you still have a lot of other people. Look at your followers in social media; they followed you for a reason. You can you know do searches for your name. Who's talking about you? If, if you have a little bit of money, you can invest in what's called a social listening tool and, and, and see, you know, people who mention your company who may not have followed you, they may not be your customer, but they know about you or they've, they've tried you, whatever it is, who knows, right? So there's a whole bunch of people there that I would start with that already have some sort of know, like, and trust. And now we're looking at them in the lens of influence. We're looking at them in the lens of how can we work together, you know, to, to, to get the brand known to everybody who should love us because they already, we don't have to sell them on our company or our product. They already love us to some extent. So if we start there, I think you're going to be a lot more successful because working with people on sort of social media content is not easy. And I'd rather you get a track record working with people that already know you than start to reach out to a true influencer who's never heard of you and first impressions count. And if they think you're dissing them or you're like trying to nickel and dine them or whatever it is, you're shut out because they're people and they're never going to speak to you again, maybe. So you really want to work your way up that hierarchy, starting with this brand affinity model. And I think it makes it just a lot easier for companies 
to start putting their foot in the water and go, I get it, right? These people are, let's have a conversation. Let's, you know, if we have a bunch of like consultants that are giving us business, let's do a freaking online virtual summit and invite each one of those consultants to speak and, you know, invite all of our customers to attend. It's going to be a win, 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 right? For us, for those influencers in our industry and for the community, because we're going to be seen as the thought leader who brought it all together. This is just one little example of what you can be doing or start a podcast, invite these people as guests on your show, right? Start, you know, interviewing them on your blog, include them in your content, and they'll naturally share that with your audience. And for B2C, give away product, man. Like seed, seed product for, for people that, are, that would naturally post it for you. It's just a natural, really, really cheap way to get started inciting this word of mouth. By the way, speaking of, of product, uh, today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io. But that's not what I want to say, because we've actually had some really cool people that have been guests on the show. Now, we do this virtually, but the first 300 episodes of Startup Hustle were all in studio for us. And wow. um, so, Matt, when Lauren Conaway, one of our newest hosts, so Startup Hustle has more hosts than just Matt and I. And Lauren Conaway is one of them. She came over to my house a couple of weeks ago where I gave her a case of snow pops, um, which we had. At, yeah. So people bringing stuff by. We've had all kinds of cool stuff. Uh, a shout out to Stephen Ford, our pen guy. Steve, we need some more pens, bro. I'm out. Awesome pens with jewels on the end of them. What else have we got, Matt? I've had people send music, music, in, like bands send their albums in. M&M's. Megan Day. M&M's. Yeah. I don't even know who sent those. No, we so we used to joke about, we used to joke about how Watson, when once the podcast hit the Apple charts, that I would always joke and say that Watson had become a rock star and would only have a dressing room with blue M&M or green M&M's in it. And someone sent us four pounds of, green m m still don't know who that was so whoever you are thank you that is hilarious um megan day the former winner of chopped a cooking show brought us some amazing barbecue we've had snacks oh god i, I mean i'm i'm for all of you who i left out uh, that's great now it was really kind of fun working with jay at urban necessities because people used to send him crazy stuff including fan art like, wow. I think that we, so we would joke that as an influencer, once you started receiving fan art, which is someone drawing a picture or making a painting of you, think about that. Someone took a legitimate, made a, a small investment of time to create art of you. Now, I do want to encourage anyone listening to send in fan art of Matt Watson. So <laughs> if you do that, that you will live in infamy for the for all time trust me you will get you will get your your roi back now um it, when it, i i think there's something that we didn't address though neil and that's a business so if a business is using influencer marketing also looking at yourself what's your own story and that's something i think at full scale we have done effectively because you know, we are, we built full scale, which, you know, so what, Neil, what we do is we help software companies build teams of programmers because there's 400,000 empty programming jobs in the U S and it's a real problem. And Matt and I built the company solving our own problems with the company. Yeah. And with that, it, you know, we, we are able to tell our, our, our clients, our prospective clients, <clears throat> we're able to say, Hey, look, we've been in your seat. We do it on many days. I know what it feels like. And we built this out of our own needs. Now you're wanting to do some of the things that, and this is where it's easy to tell Matt's story. You know, Matt sold a company for a huge amount of money. If that's what you're trying to do and you're not listening to what he has to say, then you just might not be a listener. 
And so also, I, I mean, I just got to recommend like telling your own story. I mean, there's simple, like the story brand is just a simple approach to doing that. Like, who are you? Why'd you build this? Why are you, what problem are you solving? Why are you passionate about solving it? And get, and when people get to, so people trust influencers because they feel like they get to know them. Yeah. When we talk to people that listen to this show regularly, I've had people show up for, to talk about full scale. I'm like, let me give you a little background. They're like, dude, I listen to your podcast. I feel like I already know you. Okay. But think about, think about the, the worthwhile nature of that. And one of the things that we tell people like, Hey, if you want to get to know us or hear, learn more about us, like there's like hundreds and hundreds of hours of us talking about different stuff. And we're very open. We're very genuine and we try to be very transparent. So on that note, do you think that those qualities are a must for an influencer to be taken seriously? Meaning like being genuine, being transparent and being trustable? Yeah, I think if we look at those that, you know, in social are building up bigger communities, that that's exactly what it is. I mean, there's also sort of this, they're a content creator, right? So you guys create podcasts, others, you know, do videos, what have you, but they're, they're a content creator, but yeah, they're, they're really open, authentic, they're relatable because people can see through the bullshit and they've had to live with that, you know, before social media, there wasn't a lot of interesting things you could, you could get out there you know, on the internet, but now with social media, you can find your own channel, right? So, you know, when I was growing up, it was the three major TV networks to kids these days. It's their three favorite YouTube channels. Mm-hmm. So th- that's replaced traditional media. And yeah, I mean, you, you want to build, it's like I tell salespeople on LinkedIn, you want to have like a relatable profile. You want, you want to build, I mean, what's like one of the definitions you talk about story brand, it's building an emotional attachment. And you do that just by relating to people, by showing yourself, right? Um, and you, 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 by showing yourself, you're creating these sort of common bonds with people. So definitely for people trying to build influence, telling your story uh, is critical because otherwise, you know, people might relate to you from a professional perspective. Yeah, I get you're a successful entrepreneur, but that's why you hear, you know, all these, the Tony Robbins and all these motivational speakers, they'll tell you those stories of when they were almost broke, when they almost died, um, literally uh, at the beginning of their speeches, because they, they want to build that emotional attachment with you. They want to show you that they've been in a worse situation than you've ever been in. And I think there's, I, I'm not going to say there's a formula here, but there's obviously, you know, you, you need to be able to open up and, and tell who you are if you really want to build that deep connection, which is going to drive deeper engagement, deeper loyalty, and it's going to create deeper influence. Let's do some of that right now, man. Let's actually talk about some failure because, you know, what you, that's, that is easily the, the biggest point of feedback that I get from people that listen to the show. And they say, we love the fact that you talk about failure. And, and I, and I asked, I said, why? And I was just curious. And I, so I asked why, and they said, well, cause it makes me feel like I'm not one because if you guys have been successful or your guests have been successful doing something, you know, like, that's the thing I think too many people don't understand when they don't have experience with entrepreneurship and startups. Like, dude, you're going to fail a lot, like a whole lot. Like Matt, what's something you failed at? Uh, marketing stuff to software developers figured I thought I knew how to do that and failed miserably for a couple of years. And then you bounced back in a street. Can I, do you want me to, do you want me to shout your victory for you? Cause I watched this happen. Well, eventually we figured it out. Like we figured out content marketing worked really well and we figured out giving away a free tool with some micro influencers worked really well. So, I mean, that's, those are our two traction channels. 
Matt sometimes fails at promoting himself, by the way. So his content marketing approach, uh, Stackify gets a million blog visits a month. So uh, it's pretty influential. So I'd say he figured that out, you know, and uh, I mean, with there's a lot of things like you talk about just general failure. Like I, I like to share the story about when uh, this was years ago when I tried to build some online marketplaces and uh, spent a lot of time, effort and money and opened a few of them online only to realize that it was really, really difficult to populate marketplaces with buyers and sellers. Oh yeah. So I had, I had spent all my effort and energy building these cool, like they were basically like almost like classified type sites. And uh, I got tired of getting thrown off of other sites that I was using for my own marketing purposes, basically. So I was like, fuck it, I'm going to build my own. I built three really cool, all different uh, sites and basically it found it impossible to populate them. Um, so, you know, there was a different challenge there. That was when it came to time and energy, that was probably one of the more abysmal failures that I've run into. How, how about you, bud? Yeah, you know, it's funny. When I look at my failures, some of them are also tied to you think you have a passion about something, but as you start to work on it, you figure out it's not what you want to do. And I don't want entrepreneurs to get stuck into something they don't want to do just because they want to make it successful. So that's something that happened to me. I mean, I was going to build a tool, you know, a, a software tool to help all small businesses really analyze their social media marketing and give them advice within the tool of how they can basically create a tool that becomes like virtual consulting. So yeah, I invested a little bit of money and I got going with it. And obviously it was a lot more complex than I thought it was going to be. But also as I got deeper into it, it's like, okay, if I really want to make this fly, I got to do this. This, this has to be the only thing I focus on where I was doing consulting. I was doing speaking and other things. And it's like, you know what? I'm not like Marie Kondo here, you know, but, but if it doesn't give you love and joy, it's probably not what you want to do. And I yeah, realized, you know what? I don't know if this is the future I want for myself, even though I still think it's a great idea and maybe someday I'll do it. Um, and, and I unplugged, right? Because, you know, the money is never lost. You, you learn from that mistake. It, it's an investment, right? It, it, it's not easy to, to invest and not get, but I got a lot from that. I got a lot from that, both through the process, but also just spiritually that it helped guide the direction I want to go that I think has led me to other successes. You got to be passionate about what you do. Totally. That's, uh, that's our number. That's that's pretty much our our first observation of someone that's pitching something. Like, are they passionate? And then my first input is I'll talk to people because you know when you're when people think you've been successful, they will come and ask you for advice, which is good, and we welcome that and want that. But that's one of the things I say to people because, like you said, if you're not passionate about it, I mean, the the likelihood is you're going to quit. Yep. Um, because you start to run into other things. And, you know, then another thing you mentioned, like, I think a, a recipe for failure is trying to, and I see startup founders do this a lot. And uh, even one of our other hosts and a business we've invested in, Roy Scott at Healthy Hip Hop, that was my, before we decided to invest in that, I told him, I said, Roy, you're trying to be good at six things and we're not good at one yet. I need to know that you're going to get good at one thing. I don't care which one, but one before we try to do the rest, because, you know, a, a part time effort yields a terrible result yeah. in most cases. So and, and that's that's also good advice for for startup founders that are seeking co-founders like you got to. And, and this is kind of wrapping into the next thing when it comes to like looking at this whole topic is, you know, like, why does someone give a shit? 
about your initiative. And, you know, some people are like, hey, I found a new co-founder. I'm like, okay, tell me about him. And they're like, well, she has a full-time job. She has two kids. I said, okay, right, you're going to struggle right there because you're already in third place. Now, when it comes to, to influencers and other people marketing your brand, I think you need to be prepared to compensate them fairly, if not really well, because here's the thing. They're busy, and if they don't have a reason to give a shit about they don't have a vested interest. The same thing goes with, like, people that are on, quote, advisory boards. Like, you have to have – if you're not going to give someone a piece of the success, you have to be realistic and, like, think, like, why, why do they care? Because they won't. They won't. They'll maybe join your conference call once a year, and if that's worth it, great, but don't expect a whole lot. So when it comes to uh, – when it comes to juicing people in, Neil, like, how do you, how do you look at that? And where does that advice flow? How does that, like, what's your advice on that? Cause that's that. And a lot of people don't understand how affordably you can create partnerships with a lot of, with a lot of influencers. So like, how do you figure out what it's worth? Yeah. And, and that's where, you know, going back to that brand affinity model, it, it gets a lot easier to have those conversations if they're already your customer, your partner, what have you, but you know, getting beyond that, this is a mistake that most companies do is that they already predefine what that influencer is worth and they'll reach out and say, hey, we'll give you a $25 gift card or what have you. Really what it comes down to, I mean, you, you guys nailed it. It comes down to an acronym, which I'm sure you guys know, which is WIIFM. What's in it for me? So what, what's in it for them? And, and you know what? This is where my sales background really comes handy because marketing is like one to many, but influencers is sales. It's like PR, it's one to one because every influencer is a person some have kids, some are married, some have all sorts of situations we don't know about. But in order for them to work with us and really love working with us and ideally becoming an advocate and talking about us when we don't ask them to, we need to understand what makes them tick. And the only way to do that is to build a relationship, get on a Zoom call or a phone call and say, hey, we'd love to work with you. We, you know, How do you normally work with other brands? Because you, you've probably been doing this. How can we best work so that you know, we can feed your needs? And you'd be surprised at the responses you're going to get from people. If you contact 10 different influencers in your industry, you're probably going to get 10 different responses. And, and really, that's – and guess what? Not everyone's going to convert, and that's okay. You, know, you may contact 100 influencers, only a few percent convert, or maybe 10 or 20 percent. And that's okay as well. Not everybody – maybe the timing's off. Maybe they're already working with another brand, and, and they think you're sort of a competitor. You know, Maybe just personally, they're taking time off their job. Who knows, right? So you got to reach out to a lot of people. And you got to have those open-ended, you know, collaborations or, or conversations with, with you know, some thoughts in mind as to what you'd like to do to fuel your own business, but also first listening to them. It's like solution selling, right? I mean, you, you, Matt, you mentioned you know software sales. I was trained in that stuff. You don't you don't start with describing your product. You start with understanding their pains and how you can work together. And then you know you propose something that's going to be a win-win-win because it's going to be a win for their community as well. So that's. That's, you know, marketers um, and maybe in, in, you know, the startup industry that you guys working with entrepreneurs, I know with marketers, they love shortcuts. You know, just give me the tool that'll get it done for me. I just want a tool that's going to blast a thousand influencers and then I'm going to start working. It just, it doesn't work that way because it requires time to develop relationships with people if you really want to create a valuable relationship. Well, when it comes to that compensation and stuff, like I, I've had some people like, well, why would I want to pay someone to do that? I'm like, you're not paying them to do the post. 
you're paying them for all the work that they did to build the audience, the credibility, and the trust prior to that post. Now, you mentioned something, you, WIIFM. I, I include that in, in speeches or presentations that I give a lot. And I will say, does anyone know what the world's most popular radio station is? And people are like, iHeart, Spotify. I'm like, nope, it's WIIFM. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> What's in it for me? It stands for what's in it for me because that's the channel that everybody's tuned into. And it is, though, because yep. I mean, for realistically, and especially when you talk to people that have already been successful, like, why do I care? Why do I want to push your agenda? Because what's in it for me? And that's not a selfish question because the busier you get, the more you have to make decisions about what you have bandwidth to do and like, you know, Matt, we, you hear Watson say these exact words a lot. When you choose to do one thing, you choose to not do something else. So Amen. you have to be prepared to, to rank up there with valuable shit. So it's time, talent, or treasure, people. Like, you got to be ready to – and I don't quote the Catholic Church a whole lot, but that's a famous thing that they asked for a few years ago. But you have to be ready to offer people your time, your talent, or your treasure – if it comes to wanting them to be on board with the message. So, yeah, um, I think that's great, man. We have really raced through this episode. I love this topic. I've had a lot of fun, but with that, it's about time to, to roll into the founders freestyle. Um, before we do that, once again, for those of you that want to be influencers, today's episode of startup hustle is brought to you by fullscale.io, where we will pay you to bring us a paying client. There you go. Contact me if you want it, deco, D-E-C-O at fullscale.io. Bring me your clients, you'll get paid. And that's a real offer. So with, this, <laughs> with the Founders Freestyle, we like to pass the mic around and, and start with our guests and give you an opportunity to, you know, we, like I said, we breezed right through this. This flew for me. I love this subject and this was fun. Thanks again uh, to Neil Schaefer for joining us. If you get a chance, go over to Amazon and buy his book. I did during this episode. And that is true. So congratulations, you just sold a book. But uh, yeah, it was a uh, pick that up on Amazon. It's got uh, a hell of a lot of great reviews. So um, by the way, I know it's hard to sell books on Amazon. So congrats on that. Thank you. Um, just hard to sell books. People don't know how to read anymore. They all just want to watch the three minute YouTube influencer video. So I'm going to go ahead and get the founders freestyle kicked off. Uh, Neil, what would you it, when it comes to influencer marketing? Uh, what's a, what's a tip or a tidbit that you can offer our, uh, all the hustlers listening? Yeah. You know, I don't want people to think you need to be a millionaire to be successful, but you know, in the world of, of marketing, we, we say it, it takes money to make money. Right. So if you're going to spend money on something, if you're going to buy Facebook ads, uh, if you're going to hire someone to write content for you, you know, that's where I'd sort of look at when we, you were just during the last, uh, you know, conversation, you were talking about, you know, why you need to pay the money. At the end of the day, you have different costs in your business. But when you invest it in people and in relationships, and you can actually get it done more effectively by doing it through someone that has some influence, I think that's going to reap dividends in the long run. So invest in people, instead of just giving, you know, all the social networks, all your cash. It's good advice. Mr. Watson? Yeah, I just want to say that, you were talking about influencer marketing, which I don't think is too different than than talking about just referrals and affiliates and resellers. Like these are all sort of the same thing, right? 
Except now we look at it as like, well, my friend Joe has a lot of friends and followers on Facebook and uh, Twitter. So now I'm going to get him to tweet about me, right? Like it's just almost a different way to get out the messaging. But it's it's really just a new form of affiliate marketing in a lot of ways. And um, it, it's just a new version of it. So I think it's a useful traction channel go-to-market strategy for most people. You know, at full scale, it's something we've done. Like the Corsi was just offering up cash for anybody who wants to send us business. And at Stackfy, we've done the same thing uh, as well. So, you know, affiliate marketing is is very similar. I'm I'm gonna go ahead and 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 once again, thanks to Neil Schaefer. Uh, check, go to his website, click the link in the show notes, and you go straight to it, and you can find his books and some of his other stuff. Neil, you had a lot of great input here, and I appreciate that. So I actually get a lot of questions. I'm not gonna say they're direct, they're directed more like they don't say, "Hey, how do I become an influencer?" But I get a hell of a lot of questions on how to start a podcast, podcast tips. Uh, I've written three books, so I get questions about that a lot. And and here's the thing is I, one thing I tell people right off is I don't think your goal should ever be to be an influencer. Your goal should be to become a subject matter expert and to build a sense of trust and, and be, through being genuine and transparent uh, with the people. The people aren't going to listen to you unless you are offering something of value. So, uh, you know, and I've seen, I've seen so many people fail at this. Um, but the one thing that I, I can pretty much guarantee you is that it will not come fast. Um, and that's why, that's why co- the compensation or getting your, your, your future influencing marketing partners well compensated matters because it's a shitload of work. Like, you know, every, no one had a subscriber until they had one. And those things are, you know, now once you get pick up some steam and some traction there, though you see some of these people's channels really grow quickly. But trust me, it was a long haul up to that. There's a lot of stuff you have to figure out. There's a lot of different things. And and I think you if you are trying to create some kind of influence yourself, go back to that advice we mentioned, like be good at one of them. Like I had written a couple books before I did anything else. And, you know, we, I, I tried my own personal YouTube channel to very mixed results before we started this podcast. And I, I hadn't, I didn't have the experience, but someone told me, they said, Hey man, you should try podcasting. I said, well, why? Cause YouTube seems better. They said, yeah, but when someone, when you ask someone to watch a YouTube video, you're asking them to give up doing something else. And I was like, the light bulb popped. I was like, holy shit. And as that conversation went on, it's like people listen to podcasts while they're in their car, while they're doing their laundry, while they're working out, you know, stuff like that. And it made so much sense to me. I'm like, wow, okay, that's a lot more palatable and a lot easier to get your arms around. And another thing too, is like with a podcast, it's a hell of a lot easier to produce that. Uh, we aren't, we're, we we do not shoot, we don't currently aren't doing the video of what we're doing. And God bless, because I look like I crawled out of bed five minutes ago, but if we were doing video, we'd have, we'd have to have lights and nice cameras and, you know, a whole bunch of different microphones and just a whole lot like that. So figure out what, what fits you well and what you can get some people to adopt. And, and then the, the, the final note is you got to be consistent with it. That was, so as I helped JC Lopez build his YouTube channel, we would go around to sneaker, he was a sneaker guy and we'd go to these different sneaker conventions. And I'd talk to people that had millions of subscribers and I was asking them all the same thing. What's the most important is you got to be consistent. 
you got to be consistent. So like it, whether that's once a week, once a day or whatever, it, don't just publish five things and then go away because you're guaranteed no one's going to care. There's a lot of people out there making a lot of noise and uh, the world will forget about you just as quick as they barely noticed you. So anyway, we covered a lot of stuff. Thanks again to Neil Schaefer. I got to get to work, man, because I got a lot of work to do if I'm going to become an influencer. So I'll catch up with you guys next time. Thanks. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.